Uh, sorry if I have low energy today. The past two days have been a lot. But Meadow, you've really powered through. I did. Meadow is probably the best person I know at like actually using the tools in her toolkit to get out of stuff. Oh, I turned that shit around in six hours. I was just venting to Gabby about how I'm processing through whatever, whatever. You know, it doesn't matter what the context is. Same old, same old. But you have a trigger. It brings it up. And it's one that I've experienced for the past 10 years that I easily could have just wallowed in my own psychosis for the next few days or weeks or months. And I, within six hours, was like, nope, okay. Canceled my plans with my friends. Canceled recording with Gabby. Pushed everything off took some time away from my tasks of the day to sit with myself. I journaled a lot. I pulled my own tarot cards. I did a, a to be magnetic workshop and EMDR meditation came out of it. By that time, Aaron was home. I was like talking, chatting, cooking, boom, six hours, turn that shit around. No, you know, so I do it. feel better. But then I woke up and Mahal ate my favorite plant. So, <laughs> you know, spiraled me again. Listen, win some, lose some, win some, lose some. By the way, I didn't tell you this, but when you hold my tarot cards in Miami, like you're really good at it. No, I'm and I'm not saying that because it's validated what I wanted to hear, but I'm just yeah. saying because you were good at it. No, I'm really everything that we talked about in Miami for you has already come true. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Moving on. This week we have for you our friend Meredith Feynman from Brag Better. She came on to honestly, she came on to teach us how to brag better and it really turned into a teachable moment because selfishly rather than exposing it all to the pod, we ended up going off camera and just kind of having our own little private conversation and moment we as well. We just had two personal, yeah. We had two personal questions. We had two personal questions that hit too quickly. So we wanted to come on and kind of talk about work and our journeys in general, because I think some, I mean, don't let me speak for you, but we've talked about it. So I think one of the main themes of DMs that you and I get is work-related. Like totally. people always want to ask you about AD, always want to ask you about your transition. People are like, what the fuck is your job to me? Mm-hmm. How do you do it? Like I'm in school. How do I get there? Because that entire process for both of us has been us learning how to advocate for ourselves professionally. Mm, literally figuring it out every single and day. And we're still, oh dude, we are still still figuring it out every single day. But do you want to introduce Meredith first? Yeah. So we just want to, like Meadow said, talk a little bit about sort of what we talked about in the conversation and give a little bit more context because we very selfishly just kept all of Meredith's goods to ourselves. But we do have a recording at the end that we want to play for you um, from our conversation with her. So you will get some of those snippets. But yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about Meredith because she's done a bunch of amazing things and she's great. And we had actually, the way that we got connected was in the DMs as one does because we posted her book on like when we did like a Ask Me Anything and we were talking oh, about like confidence and bragging. I didn't even I like, realize that. Mm-hmm, yeah. Because I posted something about her and Chrissy Rutherford. Yeah. And then I about her book. So that's how we got connected. Anyway. Meredith Feynman, she is an entrepreneur, a best-selling author, and media expert with over a decade of experience training individuals to brag better to achieve positive career change. Her book, Brag Better, Master the Art of Fearless Self-Promotion, provides a roadmap for us to champion ourselves. She's also the founder and CEO of FinePoint, a leadership and professional development company with the focus on visibility and voice. So she basically is just like the entrepreneur of the decade and kills it. And the one that teaches us how to (laughs) confidently talk about ourselves and our successes in a way. She's like basically turning the word brag on its head, which I love to every time I say brag, I picture it with a double G. I'm sorry. No, no, I just think of Maddie. Anyway, do you want to kick us off with your journey of transitioning freelance? Because I was the beginning of our friendship. That was the beginning of our friendship. The last few months of your job at AD. It really was. Yeah. Yeah, it really was. Oh my God. The first time Matt and I talked, I was in my little New York apartment. So full circle. So full circle. Yeah. I mean, listen, when I I went into... Okay. So if you don't know, AD is Architectural Digest, which is a magazine that is owned by a publication company called Condé Nast. And Condé Nast owns 
like everything you read from Vogue yeah. to Vanity Fair, The New Yorker, Teen Vogue, Glamour, AD, all of them. And ever since I was young, like that was, that was the goal. That was the dream. When I finally got that job, that was my first job out of college. I was like, great, I'm never leaving. Like I'm going to be at, I'm going to be at Condé forever. I am going to become the editor in chief of whatever magazine will take me. That was the plan. That was the goal, which by the way, I guess I'll say before, because since we're talking about the concept of bragging, that was a job and a goal that I had wanted since I was like 12 years old. And even when I got that job, it no longer became a difficult task for me for some reason. Like it was like one of those moments where I was like, well, if I got this job, then it's not difficult. No, that's like I, exactly my experience with NAMI, which I'll get into later. I was like, oh, I guess like Devil Wears Proud and all these movies and all this yeah. bullshit like is just that. It's just bullshit. Like it's clearly not that difficult to work here if I got it. So my initial reaction instead of saying, holy shit, Gabby, you fucking slayed this. I was like, I downplayed all of the hard work and years of internships and networking that I did to get myself in the room to even have that interview. Even the internships that I got when I would work at magazines or when I worked at Oscar de la Renta, like I literally was just like, clearly it's not that big of a deal if I could do it. What do you chalk that up to? I just chalked it up to like, I guess me thinking that my capabilities weren't, like the possibility of me being not only just like smart, I knew I was smart, but like smart enough, capable enough, a hard worker enough to just like get myself in those rooms. Mm -hmm. I know it practically and I know it when I like think about it consciously. Embodying the concept of if I'm in this room, I deserve to be here is so hard to do. I mean, this is why I asked you this and I don't mean to be like baiting for the fucking patriarchy as usual. But like when you're 22 years old and you get in those rooms and you get in that dream position and you're so young and then everyone treats you that way, you're like, oh, it can't be because I'm the smartest in the room. It has to be because this whole thing is bullshit. Right. Or like, it can't be because I deserve to be here, which is not true, but it's right. it's what our mind feeds us anyway. I no, digress. no, exactly. You're hundred percent correct. Cause it's, I always do that. And that's also like a deeper conversation that we should have is like, I have the tendency to stop good feelings short. Mm. Like for some reason, it's easier for me to like stew in like mm. gross feelings. But mm -hmm. when it comes to like actually feeling joy and pride and anything like Because it would be selfish to feel them to know. the full extent. I don't yeah. know. I'm like kind of working through that right now. So yeah. I'm not really sure. What That's a good one though. But that is we'll kind of, back on it. Yeah, yeah. That is sort of how I felt. And then just to fast forward, like when I ended up leaving AD, swallowing that and then learning how to promote myself and brag about myself in a way that was like, like, listen, you guys have to understand that like I'm leaving a company that I've always wanted to work at where nobody leaves. Like no mm -hmm. one leaves. Because you just work your way up, right? Because there's yeah, just but it opportunities takes to move up. But it fucking takes forever. forever. And yeah. like, because no one leaves. So like, unless someone like fucking dies, mm -hmm. it's like you look at Anna Wintour, right? Like she's been there for yeah. literally since the 90s running Vogue. Yeah. Like when I decided to leave, I just remember sitting on that Zoom with every because my boss was so supportive of like my plan and everything. She was so, so fucking supportive. I'll always be grateful. But when I sat in that Zoom telling everybody else that I was leaving to go freelance, like it was just like dead quiet. And it was like, oh, like great. Mm -hmm. And so learning. And look at her now. <laughs> but even still, I'm like, look at me now. Did I do the right decision? Like, I don't know. Like, I still have those moments. I know. I know. Sure. Meadow just gave me this serious face. But like. <laughs> Learning how to brag about myself and promote myself and and celebrate my wins, especially especially the past two years where I haven't had the safety net of I work at a Kanye West publication, mm -hmm. has been very difficult. Mm -hmm. But you've come you've come such a long way because even in that Patreon video I made of our Miami girls trip, go on Patreon if you want the exclusive tea. There's a clip of you in there from I don't even know if that was when Rory was out here. So what was that like April? 
Mm-hmm. Being like, oh, I need to remember to say podcast host. Like even not that long ago, mm-hmm. we were speaking so differently than in terms of the secret project we've been working on that's rolling out probably this week by the time you guys hear this. Like we've been moving different. You're right. We've been moving different at an exponential speed the past like six months even. Tell the people what happened when we first started putting together our podcast, like the conversation we had when we sat down. Which one? Well, the first one was like when those people wanted to like sign us to a network and I sniffed out the bullshit really fast. You remember like in the very, very beginning, they wanted to sign us to their own network before the podcast had even come about. Oh, I, do you? That's how long it took me to no, figure out what you were wrong. talking about because I like blocked then, it. Yeah. And then the first time that we had lunch with Jesse Israel. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to tell the people? Oh my God. Oh my God. No, I don't. <laughs> How you were like, I said, you, you make us sound like little girls. Yes. And I got mad at you. Yes. The way that we even speak about our own podcast, the difference is just fucking monumental. Yeah, it really is. What about for you? Okay, so slightly different from how you experienced it. Same, same, but different. Anyway, I was in college. I knew I always wanted to destigmatize mental health and make mental health cool and bring it online because Instagram didn't come out till I was in college to age Mm. myself. So the second that came out, I was like, oh shit, I can use this to talk about mental health. I don't have to have a blog. Look, I could do it on like a fun new social media. So immediately I'm going that route and like thinking of all these things in my head. Ahead of the curve. Dude, I was so fucking ahead of the curve. But I mean, I was also a baby. So I wasn't acting on any of my ideas. I mean, I was, but whatever. Anyway, so I knew I always wanted to do that. And then my boss and now dear friend Gladys at UCSB, who was the head of the counseling and psychological services that I worked for, was like, oh, yeah, haven't you heard of NAMI? That's what they're known for. It's destigmatize, support, and advocate. Like, that's their number one. They're the number one mental health nonprofit in the nation. And I was like, what? She turned me onto it. So ever since that moment, NAMI was always the end goal. Like, NAMI was my Condé Nast. NAMI mm. was my guiding light. NAMI was my dream. So I moved back to San Diego in a big hubbub, reach out to NAMI, get this job. And I'm like, oh, my God, I got it. You know, I'm here. This is so exciting. Within, I'm not kidding, within like weeks, I was like, are you fucking kidding me that I'm the smartest person in this room? Like, I... And, and not not even in a way to like suck my own dick, but in a way that was like my my one line that I repeat to people all the time is I went in thinking I was going to be able to move mountains and I was moving molehills and it was so fucking depleting and not in a like a burnout way, but in like a come on, like I thought I was going to make a difference or I thought I could do something here. Like yeah. I don't have any breath to work with. And so it was while I was at NAMI that our dear friend Riley Nelson, who we talk about on this podcast a lot, was working at Glossy at the time. And she was like, hey, you know, like two doors down, there's this cool new LA brand called Mad Happy. This is in like, of course, Riley is the one that put you on to Mad Happy. I know. I know. Summer or even spring of 2000, I think it was spring of 2019. And she was like, they say they're all about mental health. Like they look so up your alley. You got to look them up. And so I looked them up. They literally had two blog posts, one by Mason and one by their intern. It wasn't even a separate blog. It was like through the Mad Happy site at the time. And I immediately just reached out and was like, hey, I'm a mental health professional, but I love to write. Like what you guys are doing is so cool because they were combining fashion, which was always one of my like Mm -hmm. just interests and passions personally with mental health and advocacy and moving it online. I was like, oh, this is my dream. So I wrote for them for, you know, I think three times and then was basically like, hey, if you're serious about this, blah, 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 everyone knows the rest. But so I I fell similar to you in that once you achieve the dream, it is quickly like your next dream comes so fast. And it's funny that we can like create these goals for ourselves that feel like it would change our life. And the second you get them, you realize it's not about the goal if you have the exact same patterning and behavior and thoughts. Like it's Mm -hmm. really like looking beyond 
what those goals are into like the bigger truths or themes of what they're offering to you or what you're looking for, I think is what helped bring us into this place of like, oh no, like we want the creative freedom. We want to like advocate in our own ways. We don't want to be tied to like, you couldn't represent your ideas fully as a part of Condé Nast. I could not talk about mental health in the way that I do on this mm-hmm. podcast as a part of NAMI. Like we wanted to do things in our own way and we, it quickly was not worth it for us to have that label that used to be the end all be all. Yeah, no, hundred percent. It's just really interesting. So anyway, in learning to brag about ourselves or in learning to advocate for ourselves, it's been a whole fucking other ball game. And I think one of the things that has really, really, really helped us through this process that we talk about all the time is finding your own community, especially if you're a freelancer, like finding your own coworkers. Yeah. Because the gatekeeping, the business gatekeeping is so real in any profession is so fucking real. But especially when you go freelance or, tr- or trying to do something creative or forge your own path, people don't want to tell you their secrets. And it's, it's such a fucking lack mentality, I guess, for lack of a better word, because our little girl group that we always refer to, we are all constantly each other's coworkers and supporting each other and talking about work and giving each other tips and tricks and exact numbers and exact things to ask for and what your rates could look like and what budgets can look like, because we all fundamentally believe in each other. Oh, yeah. I mean, even the other day when this this hadn't happened when we were recording the episode, but like I just published my first article with The Cut. And Maddie, yes! fully, Maddie fully gave me that article idea. We were sitting. Yeah. This is why you need to create your own coworkers too, because like now that I'm not like in a typical office with coworkers all the time, like brainstorming, I, I feel like a lot more depleted doing it. And I just feel like I'm yeah. living in my own vortex all the time. And I was sitting and I was, Maddie and I were working together. I was like telling her about a pitch that I was coming up with. And she's like, oh, that's a cool idea. But like, by the way, you should, I feel like you should write about this. Mm. And I was like, oh my God, I should. And I pitched it in that very moment. And that was the first article that I got to actually they said yes for the cup and I'd been pitching them for literally ever. But yes, getting people around you who like want to see you win. And obviously you guys know that Meadow and I are big energy people, but we are very careful about telling our, Mm. not our ideas, because that's what we're saying is we don't gatekeep, but like telling people about like our projects that like are already in motion or like Mm -hmm. things that we want to happen because we're very careful of who we tell that to because we really believe in the way that people's energies affect it. And you would be Mm -hmm. so surprised not to be like a pessimist. But I mean, if we all know this, we know that between Meadow and I, I'm the fucking pessimist. <laughs> like, especially with business stuff. Like, you got, like we'd you'd really be surprised how many people don't want to see you win. Mm-hmm. And when you or how much other people's insecurities become projected well, in the guise of like advice or no, I'm looking out yes. for you or oh, I know this business. Yes. And it's like, no, you're just too afraid to do what we're doing. And you're just projecting all of your bullshit on me. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that energy does something to your concept, to your project, to what you're it working does. on. It touches inspiration. And so be just as much as we're sitting here telling you, get your group of people that you trust to bounce ideas off of and you know sh- spread wealth and knowledge. Like That group can be two people. Yeah. And it also is just like, but but it's it's different, right? Because like when when people like Dana who listen to Dana Dang's episode because she's our pride and joy, people like Dana like they share from a place of experience, and yeah, like she'll mm-hmm. tell us because we're her close friends like certain things that she's working on. But like whenever she's giving advice and the stuff that she's like not gatekeeping, it's all coming from a place that this has already happened. It's tried and true. Mm-hmm. Like it's not like our mm-hmm. energy can go back and impact what the fuck she already accomplished. Mm-hmm. So that's more of what I'm saying. If that makes sense, and I feel like I just said it in a roundabout way, but it's like. I don't know, like the thing that you and I have been working on, like we've been really private about what it is 
and mm-hmm. haven't told people and like haven't shown people and mm-hmm. I've only shown people that we really truly like value their opinion and trust because it's like I don't need your sticky, gross, jealous, envious energy mm-hmm. on my win mm-hmm. while it's in progress. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A cool example of nuance of everything you're saying that just immediately popped in my mind to me was Kingman. Mm. So I have a mentor named Ryan Kingman. We all call him Kingman. He was one of the OG founders of Stance Socks. He's cool dude. And he's, he's worked with the coolest brands. But anyway, he ironically is a mentor. So he's someone that's older than me, has been in the field way longer than me, has is kind of like higher up in a way that can give me validity on certain things. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because even within that position, he has explicitly looked at me and been like, do not talk about what you want to do with a lot of people because mm-hmm. it ruins the thing. Like he was like, you don't need to go to someone higher to get validity. You don't need to go to me. You need like it's that fine line of being precious with like having trust in yourself and knowing what you're doing and going to people for strategic advice or in the same way, actually to tie this with a fucking bow in the same way that when we are going through something with our mental health and I can call up Gabby and be like, hey, I'm really looking for like advice or feedback or like words of encouragement versus like I need a fucking vent. Can you hold space for 20 minutes Mm -hmm. is a difference. You can go to friends or coworkers in a professional capacity and ask for the difference. You can go and say, hey, I'm working on this project. I'd like to show it to you where I need help and support or as in these two areas. Like you can ask mm-hmm. where you want the advice from. Like it's a good point. In this secret project that we've been talking about, I haven't showed one person the creative because I've had such a strong vision of what I've wanted this creative to look like for so long. And I don't want anyone's fucking input. Oh, no, neither have I. I like it in my head. Me no, too. we haven't showed one person. We've shown the final product, but we haven't shown right. the creative. We never like, showed there. to anyone. And I think that's so cool because now I think we've been fucking crushing what our vision is. And we're fucking trusting ourselves and the people that we work with. And it just feels good. It feels so much better. I don't know. One other point that I wanted to talk on real quick because I don't want to take up all our time before. Yes, bring this up because this is what I was chewing okay, on. Okay, what inbound is a myth? Yeah. Okay, please go off. Well, I would just, that still came to mind when I was talking about when I published my first article for The Cut because I have been pitching to The Cut for a while. And granted, like I have not pitched a couple stories a week for months, but it's like, I've definitely pitched a good amount and I definitely sort of got let down. So Meredith talks about this, of the concept of inbound is a myth where it's like, she basically says in the episode and you guys will hear it from her of like all the press and all the things that she's gotten is because she's put herself out there in the position to pitch herself. She also speaks about it on Liv Perez's podcast. We love Liv Perez. Go listen to her episode on ours. That was a great episode. Yeah. Meredith on Liv's Liv's podcast, Friend of a Friend, was incredible. We'll link that below because that's also a really helpful episode, I think. But she Liv talks a lot about like how she'll spend like three hours a week or three hours a day, whatever it is that she says, just pitching herself. And she's like, Mm -hmm. people think that because I'm at this level of influencing or journalism or whatever it is, that things just like my inbox is just flooded. Mm-hmm. with like requests for like me. And she's like, and this is not the case. Like I'm constantly pitching myself. Mm-hmm. And that really gave me the kick in the ass that I needed because I hate pitching because I'm such a fucking perfectionist. And I like get so caught up in thinking like if my pitch doesn't get approved, like I take it so personal. I'm like, oh, they think I'm an idiot. Like this mm-hmm. editor now thinks I'm a moron. Mm-hmm. Or if mm-hmm. I pitch myself to a brand, they're like, oh, well, she sucks. But it's just like, maybe like that's not the article that they were looking for. Or maybe my type of branding isn't the type of branding that like this company needed this month. Like what? There's, there's so, so many reasons. Many. Yeah. And like usually like it's, I think it's super helpful because like for the cut, for example, the two editors that I've pitched, they've always responded, even if it's mm. a no. And they mm-hmm. tell me why it's a no, which I think which is, is so, so incredible. Helpful. And now that I've written for them and I've seen the way that they edit, like I feel like the next article that I write for them is going to be so much better because I know 
you get exactly it exactly like how they like to edit and, and work and I'm adaptable. But yeah, that, that was really powerful. And I think is a really cool lesson that I would love for you guys to like really cling on to is like the concept that like you just suddenly have to stop pitching yourself. Like it's just not fucking true. Like, why do you think that even people like if we're talking, if we're still talking about like under the umbrella of freelance, right? Like if we're talking about influencers or models or famous people or whatever, it's like, why do you think all these people have agents and managers? Exactly. Because, because their job pitching them nine out. to five is to be pitching them for them. <laughs> but when you don't have that luxury and you have to learn to advocate for yourself, you have to kind of reframe those to take it less personally because it's fucking not, it's just yeah. not personal. The way media works nowadays, I was just listening to Andrew Schultz talk about how he the reason why him like, you know, doing his own thing and not publishing his own comedy show. I don't know if this is going to hit for anyone. I don't know if anyone's on the same comedy side of the internet as Aaron and I, but it was because he like, I know (laughs) that he like figured out like, okay, he, you know, was doing his own thing in comedy by like self publishing and not going to a Netflix or a big thing. Then there was this whole idea of censorship. Then the, he came out with a joke from his special that he Netflix or someone asked him to cut that he said no. And to give an example of it, he put it out before a special. It was an abortion joke. So he was like the combination of like the censorship conversation, abortion being in the national zeitgeist and me doing this, like those three things is why it got picked up by media. Like media has such an agenda. Yeah. Most of the time that's for our attention and what's in the zeitgeist. And because something that we're pitching doesn't have like attention in the way that someone wants to frame something is literally means nothing to us and the validity of our ideas or creativity or worth or any of that jazz. But I think another cool practice that helped me reframe this, I also think it was from Liv Perez's podcast that I heard this, but I can't entirely remember. But it was someone was talking about they did a challenge to collect a hundred no's. Yes. That, I was think, that was that Liv Perez's? Oh wait, what? Wasn't it her budgeting one? Yeah, because it, yeah, that wasn't with Meredith. I don't it think wasn't but with it was Meredith. Friend of, guys, you better be listening to Friend of a Friend, friend of by Liv Perez. <laughs> better be but it was that i think about that all the the time every time i send out a pitch now i'm like gotta get those hundred no's like i don't care how many yeses come in i'm on a mission to get a hundred no's yeah because those hundred no's who who knows how many yeses you're getting who knows and it's always at least one yeah actually that's not true not always but sometimes most of the times you know math you know, don't, don't, yeah. Once we start talking math, I'm going to start Guys, spiraling. Listen, you're lucky that we are even getting these 25 minutes in because Meadow and I, our brains are in <laughs> outer space. <laughs> I feel like you can kind of tell. But you know what I would love to do? Because, yeah. I mean, we're kind of barely scratching the surface here and we do get a lot of questions about this. I would love to do a Patreon ask us anything about work. Yes, I'm super down. Would you guys like that? Because I get those DMs all the time and I can't fucking respond to everyone with the same tips all the time. So I'd love somewhere to send people. So also, please ask us things because we'll do a yeah, whole work related. Listen, also, like I was definitely the person in college that like used to like cold email or message people for like, can I have 20 minutes of your time? Right, and, like pick right. your brain and blah, 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 blah. So like I feel bad when I get those because I try and respond and I try and take those calls with people, but I can't do it all the fucking time. So I would love to do that. So guys, sign up for our Patreon because it's fucking bumping on there. A long time ago, Skinny Confidential came out with a great podcast episode that was literally about like why they hate the term pick your brain and how like messaging someone, can I pick your brain is never going to work. But if you're more creative, like someone came to her once and was like, hey, like I really appreciate your article on X, Y, and Z. Just wanted to know you actually got like this part wrong or there was a typo here and this, this, and this would have tied into Like when you can come, not saying to come and critique our work, but like coming in with thoughtful feedback or energies or ideas, as opposed to just picking someone's brain. 
yeah. is a great way to slide into those DMs in a lot more thoughtful of a capacity. But we'll give you that and all these other tips on Patreon. Oh, Ask yeah. Us. Wow. I just will answer. Re- that's a really fucking good idea because I just, my brain just got flooded with like the way that I would apply to job. Guys, I was a yes. fucking master at like networking and applying for jobs and like interviewing. Like I was, you know what? I'm going to brag about that. I have got a lot to say. And oh, I would love to you talk bring about my that mom too. on here to talk about <gasps> that. <laughs> no, we really should. And I was thinking about this even the other day because Aaron has gotten four fucking promotions in the past, like three, that like he's moving. Slays. I'm updating his resume and his fucking applications for shit, like constantly. And in doing it, I'm like, watching like from iteration to iteration watching myself like learn how to brag about him better and like mm-hmm. his work better too which helps me re- we gotta yeah we do have a lot to unpack here so ask us some questions send them to us on instagram or join patreon and start messaging us yeah messages we talk to you on there we talk a lot on there there's been some new faces also patreon's about to get a hell of a head start oh against yeah. other people on something that's exclusive that also has like yeah. a quantity cap her <laughs> so just saying you want to get there now now's the fucking time like get on patreon or at least get on instagram because there's some fun shit that's about to pop off yeah. this week. all right before we keep talking cut please us off. enjoy yeah <laughs> i'm gonna cut us off because i'm like meredith has great things to say and i want to shower so please enjoy <laughs> love you mm, we love you so much thank you for listening as always so yeah, we definitely want to just get the most out of your time. We know you have to run. Let's do it. Meta, want to introduce the unpackings? Yes, absolutely. So Meredith, we start every episode asking our guests about what they're unpacking right now. And it can be as profound or meaningless as you want it to be. It's kind of just a fun example to show people that we're all still learning in real time and sharing about where we're going through and experiencing. So it's kind of like first thing that pops in your head. Well, I'm trying not to go too serious. Uh, so Ooh, we can. No, it's okay. Not today, Satan. <laughs> um, Facts. So give me yeah. an example of something that you're unpacking. I'm unpacking like some shadow work right now. I had something come up at work for me that made me realize like, oh, that feels cringy. Why does that feel cringy? Where does that judgment come? Oh, that's my shadow. So I'm kind of like doing that right now. Okay. But we've also had... Teffy come on here and be like, I can't shit in front of my new boyfriend. Mm. So unpacking can literally be shadow yeah. work or yeah, 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 yeah. taking a shit in front of your new boyfriend. Pick anywhere in between. Okay. So I, I'm unpacking having my hair natural for the first time basically in my life. Wow. And I don't know what, I don't know how to have curly hair. So I'm 35. I came up, you know, in the aughts of it all, which was like pin straight, stick straight hair. So I started yep. blow drying my hair straight in like sixth or seventh grade and then chemically straightened it up until literally like a year and a half ago. And mm. it turns out like I always had the hair that I was trying to go for, but I was just straightening it and then current, you know, using a wand or a flattened iron. And like, if I just like let it do what it did already, it would just be fine. So I'm, I'm figuring out how to be a curly haired person because also like the last time I was a curly haired person, like, I think you guys are probably a little younger than I am, but like the extent of the product lines was like the bed headline. There was like nothing. Nothing. Yeah. 
I mean, listen, that's it's a big it's a big deal. It's a very I'm big literally thing. by the way, it's like it's a the same very thing. new thing. It's yeah. a very yeah. new thing to have these product lines. And like I feel like the only reason I hear about it is because if I'm like actively seeking it or or talking to friends who have naturally really curly hair. I'm Latin, so I've have so many friends that straightening their hair always was just a very big cultural thing. Yeah. yeah. And wearing it natural is definitely like a big it's a big deal. Well, yeah, I'm a Jewish woman. And so like lots of interesting conversations around straightening your hair and yeah. nose jobs yeah. and all of that stuff. I mean, this is the way America is about like just being as Eurocentric or, you know, yep. reduce your ethnicity as much as possible. Exactly. So I'm learning how to be a curly haired person. I also live in Washington, D.C., where the humidity is insane. So oh my gosh. Um, I'm giving Weird Al currently. Um, <laughs> Like, You're going to find I'm, your place. I'm, yeah, I'm giving weird out because I'm also particularly into like vintage Hawaiian shirts right now. It's so, like I'm giving oh, like heavy. Hell yeah. <laughs> I'm like giving heavy weird out. Um, but, you know, we'll see. Oh, Honestly, it's, so I think funny. it's a mood. I think it's a vibe. I think you. Um, it's I'm Adam Sandler's summer leaving. anyway. Yeah. I know. I've been, I've been learning about that as an older millennial. <laughs> I've been learning. So, um, yeah, I think I'm just having a weird out summer. I love that. Lean into Honestly, it. It's great. It's great. Yeah. Well, we are really big fans of yours. And I won't lie, when you DM'd us, I sent Meadow a screenshot and a voice note screaming. Oh, and I was like, um, truly. what's happening? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, look what's happening because we are big fans. We love all of the things that you talk about. And we're really excited to have you on and have the listeners sort of like get get to know you and get to understand everything it is that you do and all of the impact that you're making on the world. Every time I speak with PR people, I'm like, you guys have this skill. I mean, good PR people that is truly unbelievable. And the way that they're just able to like sell anything. So I wonder if, yeah, if that like already existed, like Meadow said, or you learned it through that. Were you a drama kid? Tell us your background. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Still tied up in a nice little bow now. But God, I remember sitting on the step of an office space that I rented on the phone with a mentor who, when I was trying to describe, not only that I was very unfulfilled in public relations and didn't want to build a firm, but that I want to do something around women and voice. You know, I just remember sitting there having no idea how the fuck I was going to, I mean, I flew and I mean, I feel like I still continue to fly by the seat of my pants, but like, you know, it it sounds real pretty now, but, but it, it, it's not when it's happening. And I always want people to understand that. A lot of people are like, tell me about your business plan. I'm like, business plan. I was like, <laughs> girl, you got to pay your rent. Like, figure yeah. it the fuck out. So, yep. so I have always been somewhat of a loud mouth. I have a very loud mom who was always very vocal and was a big cheese lawyer, really modeled how women could use their voices. And my dad is a journalist and pundit. So I saw how one could package voice. I'm also a writer like him. Actually, my mom's a former writer. We're, it's like the Feynman family media circus. We're all word people. Waiting with you guys must be really fun. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot. Um, my brother is a TV producer, Hell and yeah. then my grandfather was an ad man. Both my grandmothers were English teachers. Like we are word people. It's. I want to come to a wow. debate at your house. I know. I oh, want to come to family dinner. Yeah, when I tell yeah. people that I'm the quietest <laughs> member of my immediate family, they're very upset. <laughs> so I was, I was very, very lucky uh, in that I saw visibility and voice and expression professionally and personally in this way. 
I started freelance writing when I was 17 years old. Wow. A lot of people ask me about freelance writing careers, and I never in the history have written for everyone, every magazine, Harvard Business Review. I've, you know, collaborated on books and book proposals. I wrote my own book. Nobody has ever asked me to write something. It has only been my like literally Kool-Aid man kicking down the door, like in order to get people to pay attention. I always want people to really understand that. Inbound is a myth, Mm. which means that if you see things successful people do, it's not because someone emailed them, most likely. When you get to a certain point, yes. But everything, like I have shoved Brag Better down so many people's throats. I've tried to shop it as a book more than once. Like I tried to shop it in 2015. I first came up with the book concept in 2013. Inbound is a lie. Oh, yeah. So I started freelance writing and there weren't really entrepreneurs in my family. So I don't think I knew that that was a career path choice. Um, But I've always hustled in a variety of ways and particularly around getting visibility and getting people places. I was a, I I need to write about this, but I was a a nightclub promoter in New York in college. Okay. And it was a great gig. Like, I will never be as cool as I was at like Butter (laughs) Mondays like with Jay-Z, like it really, oh my God. and it was, I, you know, I had an internship during the day. I would get all this money in cash to like, just bring my friends and get bottles. And this was in like 2007 pre-recession, like literally when you, when you watch hustlers, like when they're, you know, like love in the club, like it was yes. just, I wasn't in a strip club, but like that energy of 2007, let's be very clear. I was in fake New York and I am, you know, have a lot of privilege but man, was that a great time to be alive. So (laughs) I've always had like varying side hustles and I lasted like five seconds working for someone else. And then I really just figured it out. I was initially selling like social media. I remember my first check that I got for my LLC was I was like managing a Facebook page. And then I realized that people still wanted traditional PR. And I had a lot of my own judgments about PR girls, PR people. It's deeply misogynistic. Why do we have this perception of women in public relations as dumb, as ditzy? You see Nicole in publicity. You see Samantha Jones, who's given some power and agency, but not really. It's because it's all soft skills and behind the scenes. I remember talking to Kelly Catrone about it. Boy, was she also just like an icon of that time. Wow. That was just my childhood, yeah. what you just said. And it's, Meta, it's did you watch the hills? Good PR is a magic no. trick, you know? And yeah, no, Kelly Catron, I have a YouTube video that I'll yeah. find of me interviewing her in person. Uh, I mean, we had this conversation and this was when I was writing a online dating blog. And that's how I first made my flash on the internet. You got to like, you know, know where you came from to know where you're going. But I remember doing this YouTube video with Kelly Catron. And she's like, oh my God, I'm, I'm obsessed with her. And I remember her saying to me, she's like, you've like got something. Like, here's my cell phone number. And yeah, you know, wow. I, I will forever be obsessed with her. Um, wow. I'm going to send you clips later. Yeah, we, all, we all have a real issue with um, public relations and quote unquote soft skills uh, and how we deem that as less valuable or less interesting in the way that we're having lots of conversations about things that are either marketed to or of interest to women, whether it's even the conversation about like history and art and should Kim Kardashian have worn that dress? Like it, it, it's, uh, we're reexamining a lot of those things. Yeah. I mean, you just, you said it, it's, it's things that are all tied back to women. And I like, I've heard you on a podcast talk about the idea that unfortunately, but also fortunately, I guess, we women tend to not like unless really like a man is co-signing what you're saying and Meta and I were literally because she just had this experience right before we got on the call with you 
which met all let you share as much or as little as you want to share, but just a similar experience of that, of like a man sort of co-signing something. And I had that experience where I used to work at Architectural Digest and I was Amy Astley's assistant. And there were things that I really wanted to do with my career that it wasn't until Amy told me that I should do them and was like, hey, you'd actually be really good at this, that I started actually feeling any sort of validity in saying it out loud because somebody else higher up told me that I could. And so I wondered if we could talk a little bit about also the idea of helping other people brag better and sort of pulling yes. them out of their, their shells and like what we can do for the people around us. Because I think it's just so important. Learning how to brag on behalf of others is yeah. just like the most beautiful kind of way to support well, each other. Bragging better is a team sport. Totally. If you are someone that people listen to, it is part of your job yes. to pass the mic and share the mic and elevate the voices of people who do not have the same opportunities that you do. Um, it is also tied to privilege. Mm -hmm. You know, if you are quote unquote, the default of what we listen to, if you're a man listening to this, this doesn't mean you stop talking. This means you understand the power of your voice, even down to your vocal register that we listen to lower voices. Uh, so we literally will hear you better understanding the power your voice has. And also for anyone that mm -hmm. has any kind of platform, any kind of voice, or you figured these things out. Yes, you must pay it forward. You must be part of the groundswell of visibility and voice. And it is free and it is easy to promote someone else's work. You usually want to ask, but you know, if I can't do a speaking gig or I see that a panel I'm on is not diverse enough. Now there are a lot of conversations about, yes, these, these institutions should be doing this work, but it is free. And I know they won't do the work to suggest the important other diverse voices that either wouldn't get those opportunities or you need to open the door. It's yeah. so, so important. And guess what? It's free. It is free for me to take 30 seconds and say, Hey, I, you need a black voice on this panel. May I suggest X, Y, Z person and X, Y, Z person. Like I'm happy to loop you in together. Like if you can't do something or you want someone to know about an opportunity or something, they, it, it is a way of giving. I deeply understand and acknowledge that a lot of people had to come before me in order for me to be able to say and do these things. But here we are. And so we better say them. Period. Yeah. Gatekeeping is just a whole. And it's the world that I come from, from magazine land, which I'm sure you saw as well, of like the, the fear, particularly a lot of times with women too, of like, because they had to work so hard to get to where they are that, and they're the only one in the room. It's like this, this fear of allowing anybody else into the room because then they're no longer going to be there because then we'll take their, their place or whatever it is. But that's just like not just not it's just not the case anymore yeah. i don't think at least yeah magazines in particular and media in particular it's all about diversifying your media diet and consumption but yeah. a lot of these big mega magazines and they know this and they are desperately trying to reverse engineer it really need to get better about hiring about paying about acknowledging oh yeah i mean that's that's a huge hierarchy um that has in recent years caused a lot of scandal for varying for varying magazines for a good reason. Oh, it sure has. Oh, it's, oh yeah, you and I could yeah. sit here Ooh, talking about them for the yeah. next three hours. So <laughs> before I get Seriously. into anything else with that, because I will. Oh, wow. I have one last question, but do we have time? I know are you yeah, have a hard out, right? We have we have time. Okay. I I just respect your disclaimer so much about how all opportunities are outbound, not inbound. And I feel that. And I am 
in the midst of working through my people pleasing tendencies. And I've gotten so much better. Just getting great. I'm getting at it. so much better, which is very exciting. You are. And even it's funny, before you got on, we were speaking, I had to go to an event last night. And because I've just been binging all of your content so much recently, oh, knowing you. you were coming on, you helped me so much last night, pitching myself in like such a fun dinner that I went to solo, knew no one. The whole point is to meet other people, which in the past I would have loved, but post COVID, I'm a little bit more introverted. And I just had such a fun time with you in the back of my head, you know? But anyway, I would love for you to reframe a couple quick people pleaser tendencies. Like, do you have any wordsmithing go-to list? Because I'm literally going to write them all down. (laughs) Also, give me an an example. Well, here, what you were talking about yesterday about the um about the podcast. Mm. When Meadow and I first launched the podcast, we went to a lunch together with now someone who has become a great friend, but there's someone in the wellness space. They're a they're, and they're a man. They're a very successful man in the space. And Meadow and I were pitching the podcast and talking about the podcast, and we got in the car after, and I looked at her and I said, We never can talk about the podcast that way ever yeah. again because we sound like two 12 year old girls yeah. who just like came home with this fun yep. idea mm-hmm. and we're never doing we that like, again. And it was very much under, it, we, we were, were undermining under- ourselves or undermining ourselves. Yeah, yeah, it was just weird. Out of fear, just because we are younger it was new and for new, us. and like we like put all mm-hmm. these disclaimers and like placating terms, and we don't have big followings, yeah, yeah, and yeah. all of the, we're not influencers. And we were you like, know, fuck was, that. Uh, we need to own that shit, like men do, you know? Yeah. So yeah. was it language specifically you were using? I love language. Like, if you can give me like a like replace this sentence with that, like instead of a yeah. But it, what are the what are the sentences that you've been using that need replacing? Yeah, let's do that. Like, what's what's a sentence you would say? I, well, I know I use the word just constantly, so I'll be like, oh, I just wanted to check in about mm-hmm. this, or I just was mm-hmm. wondering if you could figure. Like, I I put a lot of just in things to make things different to make them sound more friendly, I guess, or like soften. Yeah, I'm just always mm-hmm. trying to wordsmith things to soften the blow for someone else rather than knowing how to own my own shit without coming across pushy. But I guess that's just a projection anyway, because it's not coming across pushy to them. It is to me. That doesn't mean it is to them. Yeah. I mean, I think the just, the exclamation points of it all. So many exclamation um, points. You know, there's some of that is, is, yeah, you gotta, you gotta, you, you can use one exclamation point per email. Fuck. Let's do that. Okay. That's a new role um, for me. <laughs> um, yeah, one exclamation point per email and one just per email. And then you can work on removing the just yeah. in general. But like you can, you have one. You you have to tell people how valuable you are. Mm-hmm. So who were you on the phone with? You were on the phone with a much larger person or your perception was that they were more successful in the industry than you are? No, they're objectively Both. more successful. Well, they're objectively more successful significantly more successful. Yeah. <laughs> well, do you want to just tell me who it is and bleep it yeah. out and then I can better wordsmith this sure. for you? Yeah, it's... I know. Who's now become like a very close friend of the two of ours. Can I, can I, how do I stop my own recording? Can you stop recording so I can speak freely? Oh yeah, we can stop oh, it. I can yeah. pause, yeah. Sorry, people. We got all the tea without you. We're back. Not even Patreon <laughs> only. That's like, I have to know you personally. Spicy spice time. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> yeah like, we had to, it's not even being cut out. Yeah. Like, this doesn't exist no, in the was, recording. Like, we I hit like, pause. We, talk about, mm, we have to, I have to <laughs> but like, I don't know you guys that well. So like, turn off the red circle. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> but thank you, Meredith, it for was doing worth this. It. You don't understand. Yeah. We're such big fans. Plug everything. Yes. Plug all your things. So hello, I'm Meredith Feynman. <laughs> you can buy my book, Brag Better, Master the Art of Fearless Self-Promotion, wherever you get books. And you can find me everywhere online at Meredith Feynman. I am most active on Instagram. It is the platform that makes me the least sad. <laughs> and so I mostly do memes and post dog stuff and fun stuff and brag better content. And you can hire me or book me to speak at your company or organization. I also run something called the Brag Better Bootcamp. There is an interactive version and a self-guided mm-hmm. version. Your company can and will and should pay for these things for you. So if you want to reach out to me, I'm happy to give you a script for how to ask. Or your company can hire me to do a boot camp for a group of people that work for them. Also, I am holding a So You Want to Write a Book proposal webinar on September 22nd. It's really about, I've written a lot of successful book proposals, aka they've been bought. I would not say I'm an expert on writing books, but I'm an expert on writing proposals, which is very tied to Mm self-promotion. And so we'll talk about that. Thank you so much for, for having me. Thank you so much, Meredith. I will see you all on the internet. Yes. See you on the internet. That's how we're going to start ending the show. See you on the internet. We will see you on the internet. (laughs) All right. Bye. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Thoughts Mayberry podcast every Monday. <laughs>